0: Welcome to the Serie A Show.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Serie A Show. I hope you're all doing very well. Nima, Chloe, how are you, too?
0: Yeah, good, thank you. It's good. New Year, bon anno to everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy New Year. And let's this is this is the this is the the, we're going into the second year of the Serie show. We started this a year ago, didn't we?
1: Yeah, that's pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, yeah, awesome. Well, um, let's reflect back very quickly on this past weekend. So there there were some interesting results. Nima, I want to start with Inter, though they draw with Lecce. Um, they lose ground on Juve, obviously, in the city A table. Um, how are you feeling at the moment?
0: I'm, um, I, I, as I've been saying on this podcast through this entire season, I don't expect Inter to, to fight for the scudetto and seriously challenge Juve to win the scudetto. I don't think that's a, that's a very, um, it, it's not, it, it's, you know, there's no reality attached to that expectation. Um, but I think what, what you know, what Inter was supposed to do was to comfortably finish in the top four, which they're looking like they're doing. Uh, they should, you know, try to get as far as they can in the Coppa Italia, uh, to per- preferably win it, and also, go, you know, go go far in Europe. Now they failed the Champions League. We'll see how far the Europa League takes them. But no, I, I as long as you know, for me, if Inter finish second, that's a good season. I expected them to finish second, third, and and second is good for a team that's for the past a decade been seventh, fifth for you know stuff like that so this this is a good, this is good this is a good start and and I think Lecce are a good team I think a lot of people myself included maybe counted them you know we we underestimated them a little bit I think them and especially Hellas Verona are are really doing an amazing job I think I think they I think they'll they'll stay up they'll end up staying up both of those teams
1: well do we want to discuss very briefly uh, what they've been doing in the transfer market i um so <laughs> let's I w- talk
0: spinazzola politano let's, oh, let's, let's go into that because that <laughs> is one of the most absurd situations i think i've ever i mean i want to hear from your side from a Roman perspective what's going on because i know what they're saying on the Inter side uh what the hell happened
1: well <laughs> first off let me warn everybody if i sound odd it is because i had my tonsils removed yesterday so that forewarning so if i get long-winded you'll know why It's not because I'm angry about the Politano not having arrived. (laughs) Um, So there is a WhatsApp group between one of Roma's press officers and a bunch of us who have websites, who write about Roma, so on and so forth. And when he was in the city, and I'm going to keep this tweet up forever, um, I said, Politano will be called up for Roma's Coppa Italia match against Parma, which uh, the club informed us would be the case. Um, after I tweeted that, it was almost as if I cursed something because after that, uh, <laughs> everything went downhill. The thing that okay, so here here's what I know for sure because I I spoke a little to Davide Lippi. So if that, if that last name sounds familiar, it is the son of the famous uh, Zodi national team manager Lippi. His son, he's a very very high-profile agent, so um, talked with him just a little bit, and what he relayed was that everything was done. It was in place, and from Roma's perspective, it was done. Spinazzola passed his medical with Inter. Politano passed his medical with Roma. Uh, Everything was done, but in the very last moment, Marotta requested that Spinazzola undergo these further medical tests, which he found to be odd, which Roma found to be odd, and they didn't approve of it. Um. Right when that happened, I had a feeling that something was going to be happening and that the tide was changing for this. So once that happened, Inter, instead of doing a permanent swap between the two of them, they were both going to be swapped for 28 million euros. Um, Inter, they wanted to change it to a loan with an option to buy. Roma wanted an obligation, and they couldn't come to terms on making it an obligation to buy and the number of appearances that would trigger the obligation. So it all went down from here. Now, if you talk to Roma, they will say that it was Pepe Marotta who never wanted this deal to happen in the first place because they were dealing with Ausilio the entire time. And once Alcilio got wind, or I'm sorry, once Marotta got wind of the figures that were being thrown around in this case, Roma will tell you it was him who put an entire stop to this thing, and that they, more or less, blamed those extra medicals or wanting further medical tests done on Spinazzola. They were more or less going to use that as their sort of get-out-of-jail card for this one, even though they had an agreement in place. So that's what Roma will say. Roma will say that Auxilio and Marotta were not on the same page, and that was what uh, Roma Sporting Director Gianluca Petracchi said at the weekend before the match against Genoa when he was asked about what had happened. He basically said that Auxilio and Marotta <laughs> didn't talk to each other, and they weren't on the same page. Now, Nima, as you know, Auxilio, Marotta... Well, Meralta spoke first, but Ausilio hit back at Petrachi and said, "You know you would know all about not being on the same page you're in Rome, and it happens to you all the time but yeah from <laughs> from, from from Roma's perspective, they will one hundred percent and have one hundred percent blame this on Meralta and it's interesting now because uh, Gianluca De Marzio, Sky Sport just tweeted out that uh, Politano looks like he's going to go to Napoli and." Uh, Lorente could potentially be going to Inter on loan. So I don't know what's going to happen. Politano, obviously, I mean, if you saw the poor kid's face when he was sent back, it. it oh my gosh, even regardless of who you support from a human standpoint, I really felt for him. That was difficult to watch. He looked so miserable and upset.
0: He looked upset like hell. And I think, um, I don't think, the the way I look at it is that I definitely think that Auxilio and uh, what's his name are on the same page. I think the issue here was that Marotta wants to have the final word and final say, and he wasn't comfortable with the numbers being thrown around. And he probably felt that, you know, Politano we can cash in on, uh, which they are doing now with Napoli, and they preferred that to having to buying a fullback for 25 million euros, especially when you can get Victor Moses for on loan with a with a cheaper redemption fee, and also Ashley Young, which are players that remember these are players that the Antonio Conte wants, uh, especially Victor Moses. We know what he's done in the past with him, so um, obviously it was it was they they the way they the way they handled it was was very weird because. It's very unusual, but it's not. It's not. It's not like it's never happened before. I mean, if for those of us who remember the Vucinic Guarin deal, which was <laughs> with Vucinic sitting in Inter's headquarters and Guarin in, in 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 Juventus headquarters, and all of a sudden, Eric Tohir said, "Nah, not going to do it." In part because of the, the the outcry online and and the the rage from Inter fans about why we're sending the only player we can cash in on for a for a for a, for Juve's fourth striker uh this is an idiotic idea so the outcry and the rage was just that that made him back down pretty much so so i think what's happened here is is basically Marotta was not comfortable with this he didn't feel it was good and now the fact that they you're they're mentioning, like you said Di Marzio just put that out they want that they're probably going to sell Politano to Roma for 25 million but they're going to loan Llorente... That's that's something that even is, is from a financial point of view even better for Inter, because that's just a loan with a with a with an option to buy. The Giroud deal was a straight signing for four and a half, five million. So basically they're spending not basically nothing, and then they're getting uh two players on loan and they're addressing players that Conte wants and they're getting Politano sold. Um, so, so from this is this is all about finance, finances, if you ask me, and the reason for that is because Christian Eriksson is much more important to them, uh, and 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 that's where I think this is all about. Uh, Marotta is, if anything, he's good at you know the, you know he's good at being keeping books in balance and, and knowing what's going on and how to move one 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 resource to another from one point to another. So I think that's what this is all about, and obviously Roma were fuming. Uh, and I can understand why. Politano already, that, that picture of him smiling, holding that Roma scarf will haunt him for the rest of his career. It's become a meme um, already. Um, then, then, you know, I felt so bad for him because he was crying. He was upset. Um, and and, and it, was, it, was, it was not, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't very well handled. But then again, as everyone knows, um, you know, a deal isn't a deal until everyone size, signs the contract. You know, so I guess that's what it's. It's just it's just very unusual. And then Petraki was furious, and through and and his exact words was they have they've short there was a short circuit uh, or their circuit shorted between them, which is kind of an insult. <laughs> um, and and then Osilia responded saying, "Well, you'd know all about that, wouldn't you?" <laughs> Which, as from from my perspective, who someone who absolutely loves when middle aged men go all mean girls on each other, that was <laughs> that was that was pure comedy gold. So uh, so, but I mean, it's at the end of the day, I really you know it, it was it was, it was this, these things happen at the you know when people are under stress, when people are under time pressure, when they have a lot of things going on these things happen, you know, at the end of the day, they're also human beings and, 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 and weird stuff like this happens. It's not pretty. It's not professional, but it's, but it, it happens.
2: I'm, um, I think like both of you said, really that, that the main thing I took from it was, I felt sorry for the players themselves because through no fault of their own, they were caught up in all this, um, you know, whirlwind that, that had to do to with a lot of other issues, clearly that are going on around the transfer market, Um, switching priorities and um, you know that they they were the ones that were caught in the crossfire and they were the ones that were having to face the cameras when they were turning up for medicals and you know all that kind of thing so um, it'll be interesting to see once they land at their new clubs how they um, are able to put this kind of episode behind them because I think for both players it really was a big deal and it it really um, it must have really shaken them both, I would think.
1: Yeah, and funny enough, um, Spinazzola. You can make the argument uh, in Roma's uh, victory over Genoa at the weekend. You could easily make the case he was one of the better performances uh, performers on the pitch, um, and given the injuries at Roma, particularly at fullback, um, they're going to need him. So. Yeah
2: um, it was a kind of right I'm going to show you now kind of performance and um but yeah, I don't blame him for that
0: no and and that's the only thing I really want I'm I'm critical of what Inter did and that is you know it's one thing that you don't want to make a deal but this this whole notion of him you know it, you know you have to remember these guys have a reputation and they have a professional reputation and I'm and I'm very critical of them attacking spinazzola's health in that way because that is that's almost defamatory because clearly there's nothing wrong with his health um yeah you know, and especially
2: when he's um been quite injury prone in the past exactly um that you know that really is um an attack on on yeah um, and it's
0: it really is and it was unnecessary there was no need for it i mean at the end of the day you don't have to con- conclude a deal no one is forcing you can simply say we don't find it we have a, we have better options sorry this happened it is what it is. But to create this this whole you know, this this entire charade of, no, he needs to have extra physical tests, and then after they, they you know, he, he obviously didn't do that because he felt offended, and then they say, okay, well, we want it to be, we want to change the formula of the deal to be a loan that becomes an obligation to buy after certain presences. Roma accepted that, and then they turned around and said, well, you know, one, a presence is not just one minute on the pitch, it has to be 45 minutes consecutively, and it has to be 80. I mean, that's just, you know, th- that 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 is just childish. Then we're going into you know really into kindergarten mode and and just don't, don't you think do that's
2: it. that's very italian football though to, yeah, absolutely. to to want to push the blame onto somebody else um to mm. not want the embarrassment of saying well actually uh we've changed our minds or we've got other priorities and not just come out and be straight and say the truth amen uh, always, always got to put smoke and mirrors and and disguise something that it's not
0: Amen, amen. Exactly. That is pretty much the what is wrong with not just Italian football, but you could say Italian society as a whole. This kind uh, of yeah. smoke and mirrors, and it's not my fault, and it's him, and it's his. You know, he said this, and she said that, and yeah. No, you're absolutely right. No one wants to take responsibility.
1: I I agree with both of you. Um, moving on though, Chloe, you had to have been had to have been very pleased with Fiorentina's two to zero victory over Napoli. Now Napoli, they did defeat Lazio yesterday in the Coppa Italia, but they still continue this lack the, the, this run of a lack of getting results in the league um it, it's it's mind boggling but Chiesa's goal was fantastic
2: yeah i mean i think there were there were two things to take away from the match um one how much improved fiorentina were and and how much clearly uh, going back to basics and keeping it simple and not trying to push square pegs through round holes like Montella was clearly doing um, has benefited this 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 team and how they were playing with a lot more confidence. They were, looked like they were enjoying their football. You know, when Chiesa scored, he ran straight to the coach, um, which, you know, I just, I, I just feel like there is a much, much better vibe now around the club. Um, and unfortunately, Nap- Napoli are completely the opposite. I mean, their faces at the final whistle, they, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a team that was so deflated and flattened. And, you know, with a coach like Gattuso and they were barely making eye contact with him at the final whistle. Um, So if somebody like him can't fire them up, then there really, really is a problem. Um, And, I, I fear for them this season you know I, I unless something I know they, they went into Retiro a short Retiro after
1: uh, <laughs> that match. 24 hour work. those always work well. <laughs> <Yeah. out.
2: laughs> and then obviously they got the result in the Coppa Italia like you, they mentioned but I I think the the problems are still there and um, yeah it was it was really really bad from their perspective
1: nema what do you make of napoli because it's again it, it, it just de Laurentiis. i don't know how he could even be remotely pleased with changing ancelotti for gattuso at this moment
0: no uh, it's it clearly wasn't that wasn't the issue um the, the what what's going on at napoli is 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 something else uh, there's an issue um there's an issue um the, the 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 issue goes deeper than that. You know, I think we we were pretty uh, we can pretty we can pretty easily say that the issue lies uh that there's something rotten in the land of Napoli and it's not the coach. Uh, Gattuso obviously, you know, is doing the best he can. He's trying to get them to to work together, but there is there is something wrong there. There's, it's just it's just not clicking and uh, I, you know, I think that maybe winning a game like the one they did against Lazio in the Coppa Italia can maybe give them something to work from, like a, like a, you know, like they've hit rock bottom and this is like what they can push upwards from, because the quality of the squad is there. Um, there, there is something not working there, and I think it kind of goes from De Laurentiis all the way down to the dressing room. Um, and and I think there's going to be major changes this summer at Napoli. But uh, Gattuso, I think, is the, the the reason why he was brought in is and and that is that he's a kind of obviously not a tactical genius, but what he is 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 he's, he's got this ability to kind of and we saw that at Milan as well. he, he gets them to he gets the players fired up and to care and to start, you know, to unify and to, you know, and and to to show that they really care and creates this kind of passion within them. And I think we saw that against Lazio for the first time this season, that Napoli looked like they cared. And and that's important because passion uh, in, in what you're doing goes a long way. Uh, and I think that Napoli will slowly begin their, their ascent up the table. Um, and I think that they will, because they, it's a good team. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, this team is definitely good enough to finish in the top four. Uh, we'll see if they'll be able to do that. I doubt that very much. But I think top six for them in Milan and Atalanta, those are the teams that are going fight, to fight for it. And let's not forget about Fiorentina either, because they're looking so damn good as well.
1: Well, let's go to Atalanta, because they lose to Spau in a result that I think would I think we would all, all all agree that that was absolutely shocking. But what are we making of this relegation battle and what do we think about Atalanta because I don't think again anybody expected that result.
2: Well, I think I think they've got obviously they've got the ability um to pull off massive shocks against the bigger sides Atalanta, but I think when you play like that and when you go all out for the win, you've also you've also probably got a weakness there if if you you catch them on the wrong moment I think they are a side that can be defeated I mean we didn't expect it to bottom of the table spell that's you know that's obvious but um I and I I don't think it's the end of the world for them either because I think they they've got the right mentality to um to bounce back very quickly and the way that they play is you know they're not going to let their heads drop because that's not that's not who they are. Um, Spal, on the other hand, um, they've signed a Brian Dabo in midfield from Fiorentina, and <laughs> he is—he is honestly uh, an enigma to me because whenever I saw him play for Fiorentina, he was excellent Um, such great passing, such great vision, um, strength. You know, he—he he really was uh, an excellent player in the midfield, and for whatever reason, several coaches at Fiorentina have not fancied him to play, whether it was an attitude thing. I I really don't know. I really don't know what the issue with him was because as far as I could see, he warranted a place in the team. So the fact that he then goes to Spal and then his very first game, they beat Atalanta, you know, and he did get an assist. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe he will provide a little bit of quality in their sort of um, battling team that has created that has stayed up the last two seasons after they won promotion from Serie B um, that maybe this marks a little bit of a turning point for them um, you know I, I think it's it's very hard I mean Lecce were ever so good against Inter at the weekend um, and I think often for sides like them who try to play football they end up they end up getting relegated because teams like say Chievo in the past Udinese have worked out a formula of how to stay up in Serie A and they they don't try and play football i think sometimes if you do try and play nice n- nice to watch kind of game that you end up getting burned and um, you know i i i kind of feel that Lecce might still might still drop but I, I'm optimistic for Spal, you know, I think they've got a really smart coach there and, and and the result of the weekend proves that they they maybe do have what it takes to stay up.
0: I think so as well. If we remember the miracle escape that Spal performed last spring, uh, when they, last season, when they won like four or five games in a row against Juve and, and all of these teams where they just beat them in a row and then stayed up because of that. Uh, it looks, I mean, you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer but let's let's see before we um, before we count them out because if, if they've done it in the past uh, and if they can you know they so we shouldn't you know we shouldn't count them out maybe they can do it again but we'll see I, I think it's really interesting the relegation see the relegation battle last season i thought was very exciting and amazing but this year it's it is delicious i mean just look at them eight points between 15th and 20th place. Uh, I mean, last season we had one team that was firmly in the bottom. Now it's six teams that, lit, that have a chance to get relegated. Um, and it's really, it's really, really looking exciting. Uh, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be down to the wire. Um, but I still think that it's going to be Brescia. Uh, I think it's going to be Lecce. And I think it's going to be Spal. No, Genoa, sorry. Genoa, Brescia and Lecce. Uh, I think are the ones that are gonna get uh, are gonna get relegated. I think uh, Spal is gonna make it. They 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 look like they look like they can. Genoa, however, are the worst team right now in the Serie yeah, A. They look absolutely atrocious. Um, and and I think a part of me I'm sick and tired of Preziosi and his absolute insanity and clownish behavior of running a club that has all the history and everything in place to be a good club and a team that is a middle 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 team. Uh, in the Serie A, mid-table team in the Serie A, but his utter clownish running of those club that club's affairs is just it, it just ru- has ruined it again for them. And I hope that this is the end of of him at Genoa.
1: Yeah, they were very poor against Roma, uh, Lazio. They hammered Sampdoria, Juve also win Milan. They get a victory over Udinese. Um, let's look ahead though to this weekend, the next match day. So there's two matches that really jump off the page you have the rome derby and then you have napoli juve so let's start with the rome derby
0: i want to hear what you i want to hear about you here john because the rome derby i want to hear like how are you coping how nervous do you get before is it just before kickoff was it the entire day like what part of the week grind is the worst part for you when it comes to derby week
1: Um, I I have to say, especially in recent years, I can't think of a more formidable Lazio side and given now, we uh, mentioned it earlier in the episode, but they have crashed out of the Coppa Italia, they are out of the Europa League, Uh, pretty straightforward for them now, yeah, Uh, no need to balance out more than one competition, Heads uh, heads are focused solely on the league, and my god, their form, can't argue with that, can you? 11, uh, I believe it's 11 victories in a row. Yeah, I, Isn't,
0: doesn't doesn't Roma have 12 in a row? That's their record.
1: Uh, I believe it, it's either 12 or 10 because in 2013-2014 under Rudy Garcia, we all know how they started that season. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe the record in Serie A is 17 in a row.
0: No, 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 no. That's Juve, Juve under Conte destroyed that record uh unfortunately it was intels who had that during the season after the calciopoli under mancini was 17. but then then juve's Conte completely annihilated that the 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 second or first season i remember this
1: okay well i stand corrected then i i I can't say enough about this lazio side i mean we have all we all expressed our trepidations with them uh some months ago in we all had some question marks surrounding him we had some question marks surrounding their depth but uh, you really can't argue with whats what they've done this season. I mean, Immobile has been sensational at the back. They're strong. The midfield, sensational. Um, They've been under Inzaghi for a few years now, so they know how their manager wants them to play. They know the approach. It's really straightforward. And, and I'm telling you, as far as best teams in Europe on the break. It is difficult to find a more scary team on the counterattack than them. They are so strong. Um, I, I really don't know what to expect in this one because it is such a clash of styles. Roma, obviously, they like to have the bulk of the possession, build from the back. Lazio, obviously, as I just said, they love to go on the counter and hit you on the break. So, yeah, I, I mean, on paper, um, you would think Lazio would be the favorites coming into this one. But truly, in this derby, you, you never know what to expect because anything can happen. It can go 3-0 one way and not the other of the team you expected. Um, for me, though, I it's a match like this where I think the loss of Niccolò Zaniolo is going to be felt more than the rest because he has a quality to carry the ball forward, break through... those defensive lines with the strength and physical ability i think this is a match where now we didn't see it against genoa but i think this is a match where we will really really see and miss his presence because i mean there's no doubting he was the one of the one or two best players in roma and for those of you who don't know this by now he tore his acl uh lost for the season. the Euros remains to be seen. There's still hope within. I think his side, his entourage. I think he could do it. But I, I think it would be silly to rush back. He's so young. Uh, why risk your career for that? But um, I, I fear that his loss in this match may be felt more so than the others.
2: Yeah, um, I think that it, it's it's difficult because obviously Lazio are in such such good form, and like you say. A derby match is is really difficult to call. Um, I you'd have to you'd have to say Lazio. It would be silly to to predict anything else, really. But obviously, with the caveat that um, you know Roma have had some really good results this season. They, they've not quite found that consistency under Fonseca, um, but they they're a quality side and. Um, it's it's the derby Let's you know i i i actually think that um having two two derby sides in form like this is is really really good um especially for for a neutral viewer you know it's it's a one to look forward to because you don't you don't want two teams that are struggling and got loads of issues you you want to see two sides really going head head to head up against each other and testing each other and and i think that's that's what it'll be this weekend
1: yeah nima a, a question for you though so i as i just stated they're not in the coppa italia they're not in the europa league do you think that was done intentionally and and should we make anything of that
0: I think, um, given that they've won the Coppa Italia quite a few times these past few years and the Supercoppa, and they've never finished in the Champions League places, I think it's only natural for someone like Inzaghi to say, you know, we need to get our priorities straight. Um, and and I think, uh, you know, they've they've won the two last titles. They won they won the uh, Supercoppa recently. They won the Coppa Italia in in May. So I think now they're you know they're not going for this. Well, obviously if they if they keep winning, they'll win, you know they can probably threaten Juventus. But I don't I don't think that's how they're thinking. I think their goal now is to finish in the top four and to finally get that Champions League spot because that would allow them. So much space to keep their great players and actually invest, invest more and start building something really, really good, because Simone Inzaghi, as I've said so many times, as as he is the next big Italian super coach to come out of Italy, and he's shown that consistently, and he keeps winning. T- you know, he's he's built this team with scraps; they weren't exactly big star players, they were rejects from other teams and some hot prospects, and he's turned Luis Alberto into a world beater. Um, Korea looks magical. Immobile is 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 going is going to probably become the most prolific goal scorer in the Serie A in just one season in its entire history if it continues like this. So. This is, this is a team that he's built uh, together with, uh, obviously, uh, what's his name, the uh, sporting director, they, you know, So th- th- I think this is a I- – I don't have a problem with that because if you've already won the Coppa Italia and the Supercoppa and you have three titles and you have a shot at getting to the Champions League and actually building something that could help you build, maybe even go for the title, then why not do that? Um, and, 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 and that, to me, is, is not an issue. But I just got to say, you were right, John. I'm sorry. It is 17. Inter 06, 07. Uh, Juventus had 15 uh straight wins uh 50 in 2015-16 and this is where it gets interesting roma's record is 11 consecutive wins in 2005-06 12-13 and 13-14 lazio is on 11 so if lazio beat roma on this derby they will actually do one better so this just makes this derby so much more interesting doesn't
1: it yeah i i'm really eager to see how it plays out because again i i Obviously, you would think Lazio are the favorites coming into this one, but you just never know what to expect. Um, Napoli-Juve. Now, it... Oof, that's my favorite game
0: that isn't involved to <laughs> Inter in this t- I mean, Naples Stadium is just boiling and
1: oh, oof. Oof, well, it's going to be nice. Yeah, so on paper, in previous years, we'd probably be uh, probably a bit more excited for this one. <laughs> um, I just... Uh, Juve have not been convincing, now they've been getting the results, Uh, in terms of uh, aesthetics, in terms of their actual play, I think they've been lacking, but you can't argue with the results, so I feel like this could maybe be an opportunity for them to maybe show some of that better football, actually play well. and um, When they defeated Roma a couple of weeks ago, I didn't think they played that particularly well. Um, I thought Roma were actually very unlucky not to come away with at least a draw. I would like to see something more from Juve, particularly particularly with the Champions League starting up in some weeks. I, I feel like they cannot continue to afford to play like this. I I feel like at some point it just has to click for them or else... It just won't happen. So, do you guys feel the same way, or am I am I alone in that feeling that they just really haven't been convincing?
0: At Juve. I mean, what's that famous quote that at Juve winning isn't the isn't the most important thing. It's the only thing that matters. But this is that's the only thing that matters for them. It's about winning. And as long as they keep winning, who cares? At the, at the end of the day, if they win the Serie A and the Coppa Italia and the Champions League and win a treble. The history books will say they won treble. They won't say how poor they played. Now personally I think that Cristiano Ronaldo and Dibal and Higuain are looking to really enjoy life with each other uh, more and more. Uh, sure it doesn't look quite there yet, but it would to me, it would be the ultimate Juve thing ever for them to go out on the San Paulo and just mop the floor with Napoli. And just call and that would be it. Forty five minutes where they score three, four goals, boom, done. You know what I mean? Like they, they have this ability that is that is, whether it looks good or not, they still do it, week in, week out.
2: I, I actually think that's the scary thing about them. I, I think the scary thing about them is that the system that we're all waiting for, we're all waiting for it to click, is still not quite there, but they are still winning. So what happens when it does click, you know? Um, I think uh, against Palmer, you could actually, um, obviously Palmer played very, very well. But you could actually see um, the little passages of play. It's it's not mm. there yet. It's uh, not quick enough yet because they've not got that sort of almost sixth sense of where we, where each other are going to be. But like you said, Nima, um, the DiBala, uh, Ronaldo, Iguain, and also Aaron Ramsey as well in, into mm. that attacking fold are looking very very good. And I think once they can. Um, quicken up those passages of play and the, that the passing sequences they are going to be scarily good um, mm, um i think so and it, it's if you watch closely you can you know i've seen people say oh you know well well juve weren't very good well i think that's because if they played just normal football uh, if sarri said okay forget everything just just go out and play however you want they could be really amazing but they're deliberately holding back to try Mm. and perfect this system that they're 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 getting used to um and and when it clicks i just think they're going to be they're going to be incredible
0: Mm, agreed Agreed. And I mean, if you look at just Ibala, the way he does this, the, you know, the, the movement between those three and the sh- short passing just between those three in the final third. And then you have, uh, what's his name, Douglas Costa coming on. And then now they're talking of sending Bernardeschi for Rakitic. I mean, they're. Just think, I mean, they can play in so many different ways. I mean, I've said it on this podcast before that when you play Juventus, you have to prepare for three games because they can play in a 3, three 5 2, they can play a 4 3 3, they can play a 4 3 1 2, and they play all those three formations throughout a game, which makes it impossible for you to, to prepare against them. And I think that, uh, you know. Is, is kind of their strength because the style that that, that uh, Sari wants is this quick, quick, you know, short passing system with a lot of movement, and you can see, like Chloe said, I think you you see more and more by every game this this no how, how the lines are falling into place, and again they're supposed to be at their best in March, April, and if and it looks like they will be, and you know, God God save us all because <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 looking scary good.
2: And and um, just on on DiBala as well, um the the improvement in him is astonishing. You know he was so so poor and he he was playing um, he was just wandering in in random positions like in midfield. You know he was dropping too deep and he was looking disinterested and sulking. And you know Sari's like basically giving him a kick up the backside and and said, look, I can. You know, I can get you back to form, but you're going to have to change your attitude. And to to be fair to him, he really, really hasn't. And, and, and he's looking like the player that he was before and then some, which, which is, you know, real credit to the coach there.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, in the interest of me not rupturing some sort of the stitches in my throat... I'm going to wrap this up. I uh,
0: we I really like your Gianna Nanini raspy, sexy voice thing going Oh god, on I think it's pretty okay. nice.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this one and heard that. All right. Well, um, we will be back next week. So, as always, thank you so much for listening. And until then, bye-bye.